Okay, Geiger, game on. Smile, don't suck. Let's roll. All right, this morning I'm curious how many kind of feel like that's in your life. Uh, do you have that ongoing war in your mind? So often there's a battle in my mind between the thoughts of faith and the thoughts of fear. I want to trust God, yet I also want to kind of control everything. Maybe you're like this. Maybe you can walk in one moment and you feel full of spiritual confidence that God's with you, He's for you, He's called you. But then in the next moment, you got this crippling insecurity that paralyzes you and holds you back. Over the years, what I've discovered is that the mind is a battlefield. And most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. You look at Scripture, you look at neuroscience today, they both agree most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. The good news is that God's Word is powerful, not just to help you, but to transform you and to renew your mind with truth. Today we're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And over the next few weeks, we're going to get into the mind of the Apostle Paul. Uh, he, I, I think in many ways, is the ultimate thought warrior. He speaks about it a number of times and kind of gives us some, some guidance of how to deal with this battle that goes on in our mind. Paul becomes a follower of Jesus in his early adult years, and we see Jesus renew his mind over the years. Uh, Romans 7, you kind of get a glimpse of this battle that rages in his mind. He says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. You can probably relate to that a little bit. Paul almost sounds crazy with the thoughts that battle in his mind. And it comes through Scripture, uh, his writings, as he writes to different churches. Throughout his life and ministry, Paul learns to wage war against the lies that attack his mind. And we're going to see him capture wrong thoughts and replace them with truth and win the war in his mind. So this is what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. That word power there is the Greek word dunamis. And the word dunamis, it means the explosive, miraculous power of God. It's where we get our word dynamite from. So you can see that power, is it, it's divine power, it's big power. And the weapons we fight with, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? The word stronghold comes from the Greek word ak. Oxyroma, oxyroma. It means a fortress, castle, citadel. It's one of the oldest words in the New Testament, and it was to describe that big fortress idea. I remember going to a stronghold, to an oxyroma. It was on a missions trip in the summer of 1973. I just graduated from high school, and I went for 10 weeks to South America, to Colombia. And we were in Cincelejo with missionary Don Whiteside. 
And one uh, weekend, he took us uh, up the coast about an hour to Cartagena. Now, Cartagena is on the Caribbean. It's a tourist town, but it was a very important strategic town back in the days of the Spaniards. And they built San Felipe de Baja uh, Fortress in Cartagena. And we actually had a tour through this. Uh, even today, you can't go through the same tour that we had 40 years ago. A lot of the tunnels and things underneath have all been known. But we, we actually went way, 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 way down to the uh, dead man's vault and that was the vault way down in the bottom that was loaded with gunpowder and if the fort was ever taken somebody would sneak down there light the power and blow the whole thing to smithereens um, yeah we went all over that place it was great now ancient fortresses had exceptionally thick very high impregnable walls they were different than a castle this doesn't look like a castle this is a fortress. It is heavy. It is a stronghold. The walls were intended to keep intruders out. Now, by the time of the New Testament is writing, when Paul is writing, the word oxyroma was also used to describe a prison. So, stronghold and prison, because the most secure, highly guarded prisons were usually constructed deep within a stronghold, within an oxyroma. Now, the fortress kept outsiders from getting in, but a prisoner keeps insiders from getting out. It was designed to hold prisoners in captivity, and the devil, our spiritual enemy, wants to attack your mind and create strongholds of deception. You believe something that's not true, and it takes you away from God's healing and God's calling for your life. So what does the devil do? How, what do the evil forces do? The devil tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time until you're a prisoner of deception. What does the devil tell you? He tells you things like, you can't trust people. You'll never succeed. You're always going to be broke. You're never going to have a good marriage. God doesn't hear your prayers. God doesn't care about you. Fear, you need to be afraid. You're never going to make a difference. You're never going to amount to anything. So how do we fight that? How do we do battle in our minds? Well, we continue to read in 2 Corinthians 10 to the next verse, verse 5. And verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The title of today's message and, and indeed the whole four weeks of May is Winning the War in Your Mind. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that by the power of your, your living word, you would renew our minds with truth. Set us free from believing the lies that rob us of our joy, peace, and calling. May your truth set us free, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now today we're launching into this new message series, and it's based on a book that was just released this year, 2021. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind, Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. It's written by Pastor Craig Rochelle from Life Church in Oklahoma City. And as we study the mind, both in scripture and through science, we discover this. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Think about that a minute. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. 
What we tend to think comes out in our life. And both science and scripture agree with that. If you look at cognitive behavioral psychology, it shows that a lot of problems that we experience in life are, rated, or are related to wrong thought processes, some relational challenges in people's lives, some eating disorders, some addictions, some forms of anxiety are actually a result of toxic thinking. That's what science says. God's Word says, Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. How you think is how you act. What do we know? The life we live so often is reflections of the thoughts that we think. What we think determines who we become. In other words, if you tend to think, I can't do something, I'll never be able to do that. I don't have what it takes. If you think you can't, you probably won't. If, think, if you think you can, by the grace of God, you probably will. If you dwell on your problem, the world is bad, it's getting worse, your problems are going to overwhelm you. But instead, if you look for some solutions, if you believe that you can have faith, you'll find some solutions, you'll see faith arise, it will happen. If you always feel like you're a victim, you will likely become a victim. Instead, if you believe that you can overcome, then by the power of Christ within you, you can overcome. In so many cases, the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. So today, I want to encourage you for a moment just to stop and think about what you think about. Think about what you think about. Here, we're going to do a little bit of, uh, kind of, where do you fit on these scale? Right? Do a thought audit. Let's do a thought audit together. I'm going to show you three different categories. and You try to determine where you fit on this scale. Now, the first scale I want to do is uh, contrasting your mindset. Are you characterized by worried thoughts, panic, anxiety, fear, or would you say that your thoughts are typically characterized by being full of peace? Do you tend to wake up and have your mind drift toward fear? What could go wrong? I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about the economy. I'm worried about the state of the world and the direction that the world is heading. Our country is out of control. Do you find your mind characterized by worried thoughts? Or even if things are bad, even if things are complicated, do you find yourself casting your care upon God? Recognizing there's a peace that goes beyond all human ability to understand. You sense His presence, His goodness, His Spirit is with you even when things aren't the way you want. Are you more characterized more by worry or by peaceful thoughts? Second category. Do your thoughts drift towards the negative or the positive? Do you wake up and find yourself feeling negative and critical of people? Do you assume the worst? Instead of believing the best, do you look at your day and say, oh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a bad day. Times are tough. I'm always so busy. There's not enough of me to go around. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Now, is that a negative? Or do you find yourself waking up going more positive? Even if things are difficult, you know what? Jesus is with me. He helps me overcome. Things may be difficult in the world, but I'm thankful for a God who's working in all things to bring about good to those who are called according to his purpose. What typifies your thought? Where do you fit? Somewhere in between a negative and a positive. And then for our third category, 
ask yourself, when it comes to what you think about, when you think about what you think about, are your thoughts more worldly or more eternal? Are they toward the things of the world that are just temporary? Your thoughts might be of what you're concerned about, what you have, what you wear, what you look like, who liked your post on Instagram, how many followers you have on Facebook, about what everybody thinks about you, or do your thoughts drift often more towards the eternal? God's given you a life to steward, spiritual gifts to use, What you have is to be invested to make a difference in the lives of people around you. So when everything else burns away, your life will count eternally. What would characterize your thoughts? Worried, negative, worldly, or peaceful, positive, eternal? Where do you fit on those scales? What we think about matters more than you can imagine. What comes into your mind comes out of your life. No matter what you do or what you have or who you know or what you buy or where you live or where you travel, you cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. Why? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. The question I want to ask you to ask yourself is, if your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to go on a journey. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul. We're going to ask God to renew our minds with truth. And today, we're going to lay a bit of a foundation that we'll build upon in the weeks to come so we can win the war in our mind and change our thinking. And when we change our thinking, God can change our life. So two foundationals thoughts that we're going to build on. The first one is this, and it's also a little bit of application, something you can do this week. Number one, identify the biggest stronghold that's holding you back. Remember the stronghold, the fortress, the prisoner in there? What is the biggest mental stronghold that's holding you back? You might think over and over again, I'm not good enough. My past is too bad for God to use me. I can't trust the people around me. I'm always going to battle with my weight. Maybe it's I'm never going to be good with money. I, I can never be close to God. Or I'll never have a job that's fulfilling with something that I love. Or all my relationships are going to break down. Identify your negative thoughts. Understand that your negative thoughts are changing the chemical makeup of your brain. Every thought that you have creates a neurochemical change in your body, in your brain. When you think a positive thought, you get a surge of rewarding neurotransmitters releasing a very legal and very exciting drug called dopamine. It's legal and it's powerful and your brain does it. So every time your brain drops some dopamine, you get this hit, this buzz, this thrill. So someone you like and respect comments on your latest Instagram post, and you go, ooh, that's dopamine, joy, happiness, satisfaction. Someone says, ooh, your hair looks so good, dopamine. Sandra texts me and says, thinking about you, come home soon, dopamine is a positive surge of pleasure in your brain. 
What's interesting that the more often you think a thought, science tells us it's easier to think that thought again. Once you think a thought, you're creating a neural pathway in your brain. And we have billions of neural pathways in our brain. The more often we think that thought, the more the connections are there, and it's easier to think that thought again. So before long, whatever we've been thinking becomes our default thought. So now here is the stronghold issue. If you believe a lie for long enough, you start to be impacted as if the lie is true. You get stuck in the lie rut. You know, if I go out in my front yard, I don't have much of green space in my front yard, but if I walked across that lawn for 100 days straight, what would I do? You know what would happen. You would create a path in that green grass. When I first started working at Camp Quano six years ago, in my first winter there, we noticed that in the Panabode, which was one of the residences there, there's a little piece of grass, and it looks really nice, but you know, you can save five steps if you walk across that grass instead of around the grass when you went from my maintenance shop to the, uh, uh, the residence, to the Pacific Woods Lodge, and there's this path in there. In my mind, if for a hundred days straight I think on a lie, I'll start to believe the lie. I'll create a neural pathway through my brain. Each time it's easier and easier to think that thought and begin to believe that it's true. With God's help, what we're going to do is renew our minds. We're going to stay off the old path. If I stay off the path for a hundred days, what's going to happen? You know, we started at that Panabode path. It was, a, it was right across the green, green lawn. And all winter, I put rocks on both sides. I told them in staff meeting, do not walk across the grass. And by spring, people weren't walking on it. And the grass was growing again. The grass starts to grow back. There becomes more resistance. People notice if you walk across the lawn. There's no path there anymore. And it's not as easy to walk. As I forge a new path in my brain towards truth... The truth ultimately sets me free. That's science. And it's godly because God created science. Romans 12 verse 2 is a very key verse in this. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be locked into the wrong ways of thinking. Paul continues and says, instead, continue to allow yourself or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Stay off the destructive, negative paths and walk on new paths of truth. Now, it might look something like this. It's a frustrating day at work. You come home, and it's been crazy at home because it's always crazy when you have kids. You walk in, and your old path says, yell at your spouse for not cleaning up the house. Now, what you got to do is stay off that path. You capture that thought. You might count to three or ten or a hundred and ten. Depends how heavy that path is. You say a prayer, and instead you walk a different path. You come up and say, I'm sorry it's been a difficult day. You hug, and you change the tone by changing the truth. 
Or maybe you feel bad about yourself. There's a very direct path to the freezer. You eat ice cream when you feel bad. Then you feel worse because you ate the whole bin of ice cream. What you're going to do is create a new path. Instead of walking to the freezer, you walk to the front yard. You take a little walk. You exercise. When you exercise, you get some dopamine and some adrenaline, and you feel better about yourself, and you create a new path. When you're bored, what do you do? You can see how we think about this. To think in a different way. We're going to forge a new path in our brain because the more you walk that path, the easier it becomes to travel. The more you stay off the old path, the more it weakens. It's harder to think those same thoughts again. So here's your assignment again. Identify the biggest stronghold holding you back. Just one. Don't tackle all 73. What we're going to do is start with one. What is it for you? You might battle with identity. You might feel like, I'm just not lovable. You might believe, I'll just never be good enough, or I don't deserve anything good, or I'll always be broke. Maybe you feel helpless, hopeless, worthless. Life is pointless. Identify that one stronghold. Name it, because you cannot defeat what you don't define. Identify the biggest stronghold, number one. Number two, name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. What We might say, why does truth matter? Well, John 8.32 says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free, that's right. The lie puts you in spiritual bondage, into a prison in the stronghold. And some of you are living a life based on a lie. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Let me illustrate this. There was a pastoral team in a fairly large church. There was more than one pastor. There was, a, there was a bunch of them. And they were all quite young. The church was just starting out, and they were fairly young pastors. And so they used to play a game in their offices. They called Capture the Flag. Now, normally you play that with young people out on the field. Well, these guys were in their offices. And every office had a flag, and the you, object was to try to steal the other pastor's flags when they weren't looking. Now, one of the rules was that you couldn't attack an enemy's flag until 8 o'clock a.m., 8 in the morning. That was the earliest you could actually start it. So one day, senior pastor comes into his office around 7, and he just felt like something was wrong. He, he, he just felt he should look in the closet. And sure enough, he opens the door to the closet and Pastor Kevin has been waiting in the closet for who knows how long, waiting for the 8 o'clock bell to sound so he could go and capture Pastor Jim's flag. So Jim immediately slammed the door and put his foot against it. And he grabbed an office chair and slammed it under the, the doorknob. He tried to lock him in, but the chair didn't fit and it kept rolling out. So in love and war, everything is fair. So he just lied and confessed about it later. He said, Kevin, you're locked in by a chair. Now, it wasn't true. The chair didn't fit. But he told him with all pastoral confidence, you're locked in, brother. And you'll spend the day locked in the closet as punishment. 
Now, here's the kicker. Pastor Kevin never tried to open the door. He started whining. Let me out. This is unfair. Pastor Jim just sat there and laughed. Eight o'clock came around. Jim had a premarital counseling appointment. Twenty minutes later, he heard something in the ceiling tile above. Pastor Kevin had scaled the shelves in the closet, gotten up into the drop ceiling, and was trying to make his escape. He believed a lie that the unlocked door held him prisoner when the door was unlocked all the time. That is what lies do to you. Some of you right now are not living the life that God wants you to live because you're stuck behind an unlocked door. You need to know the truth, and the truth is that Jesus sets you free. The Apostle Paul says it in our verse today. We demolish, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Whatever the stronghold is that's holding you prisoner in your mind, we demolish it. We're not prisoners to our thoughts. We take our thoughts captive and we make them obedient to Christ. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Ephesians 6 that was read to us this morning says that we have spiritual armor. We have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the shoes prepared with the gospel and the readiness of peace. Now, all of those are defensive weapons, what we hold up against the spiritual enemy's attack. We have one offensive weapon. And what is it? It is the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. It is the Word of God that sets us free. It is the powerful living word of God that is sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts away the lies of the enemy. So we let God's word take captive any lives that hold us hostage. In 2 Peter 1 verse 3, I love this verse. It says that the divine power of God has given us everything we need for a godly life. In other words, you have everything you need to do everything God has for you to do. You have everything you need to do everything God has for you to do. He's given me the time to do what He's called me to do. He's given me the strength to do what He's called me to do. When I'm weak, His strength is made perfect in me. I've got the same Spirit that raised Christ from the, the dead dwelling within me. His living word does the work that I cannot do. His power is there for me when I don't have what it takes. He has given me everything I need for life and godliness. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is your stronghold? What's the dominant lie that the spiritual enemy has tried to destroy your faith? Kill your relationships. Rob you of the intimacy that God wants you to have with him. What's your stronghold? What's driving lie that has held you back? And then, what is the truth that will set you free? Maybe the stronghold lie is, I can't get it all done. And the truth is, I can do all things through the Savior, Jesus Christ. He gives me strength when I'm weak. 
Maybe you feel like I'm never going to be attractive enough. I don't like the way I look. What's the truth? The truth is you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the grace of God. He has given you gifts to make a difference in this world. When you feel like I'm always going to be miserable, I'm always going to be depressed, remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When the lie tells you that you're always going to be alone, the truth is my God is with me. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. He is with me in the valley, in the wilderness, and in the storm. Maybe the stronghold lie is you're nothing but a victim. God's word says I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the words of my testimony. I am not who others say that I am. I'm not even who the lies in my own mind say that I am. I am who God says I am. Like that song we sang at the beginning. Your life is in so many ways is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What comes into your mind comes out in your life. It's difficult to have a positive faith-filled life when you have a negative faith fear-filled mind. So what are we going to do? We're going to capture those lines, name it, we're going to replace it with truth. By the power of God, you will not stay locked in a prison when Jesus holds the key that sets you free. You will know the truth. The truth isn't just a concept. The truth is a person. His name is Jesus, and he will set you free.